0: discipline tonight is service uh, so last week was um, last week was simplicity uh, the week before that was silence and um, so the last the last two weeks have suggested that this is something these are disciplines that take place uh, on the inside of us these things take place within that cannot help but work their way um, into our what we do just to, like what begins to happen within us cannot help but spill out and that's I think simplicity is one of those things and um, solitude is one of those things and then I think the same can be said for service and uh, and so that's that's the seventh um, discipline that we are that we're looking at um, on our Thursday nights here and um, if you were watching on Sunday morning I I, I concluded our Sunday morning in a way introducing um, tonight by quoting from Mark chapter ten and verse forty-five, um, and this is what it says in the Message version: He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give his to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. He came to serve, and not to be served, and uh, I don't think there's there's. Not many other places I think that we could turn to when it comes to the idea of redefining greatness and actually what true service looks like, um, but John 13. And uh, I continue to be I continue to be challenged by John 20, verse 21, that is that Jesus speaks to the disciples, coming um, in his resurrected body, breathing Holy Spirit upon them, uh, it says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And so that really impacts me. Every time I, I, I watch the the mission, the call, the mandate that, that Jesus was fulfilling, that he was living out, but that that in the same way that he was sent, the Father sent him, that is the same way that he is sending us. And, and so he came to serve and not be served. And so as the Father sent Jesus with that, Mandate, so he then sends us to serve and not to be served. So in John thirteen, we'll not we we'll not take the time to to read it all, uh, but it's that it's the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and uh, and this was like I think we become really familiar with this chapter. It's, it's a part of the Bible. I think we've we uh, we brush over quite quickly because we we become a wee bit. Too familiar with it. Jesus washing the disciples' feet was uh, was absolutely buckers <laughs> in these in the, in this first century moment. And um, so it because it would only have been people. The only people that would have washed feet would have been people regarded as the lowest of the low, the least. Those that were regarded as the least. It was only it was only then people that would have washed, washed feet, and so Jesus takes a tile and a basin and redefines greatness. If you want to be great, he says this several times. If you want to be great, then you take on the posture of a servant. If you want to be if you want to be great in the kingdom, that's what you need to do. And uh, so Jesus redefines greatness in this moment. He actually completely redefines what it means to serve. What service looks like. And again, as I've said, when Jesus said uh, in John 20, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Uh, Jesus says these remarkable words to us uh, at the close of, uh, as he as he's finishing off, off this moment, he turns to the disciples and says, now that I have done this, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, now you should go and wash one another 's feet, and so, as Jesus shows us how to serve as Jesus completely redefines greatness and true service, he then says this is this is the way that I want you to live. this is the same um, way the same posture that I've took the same level of humility that I have uh, undertaken that is what I'm calling you to as well um and so I think thankfully for thankfully for my family, I don't don't that doesn't necessarily is not necessarily a literal thing. Uh my kids are just copying Judith's reaction every time my bare feet make their way uh in the the public domain or, the, or home. And um so thankfully I don't think it has to be a literal thing, but it is completely redefining what it is to serve and what greatness looks like. Um, it, it's actually so find this. I was thinking about this earlier. Mark ten, verse twenty nine. Just uh, just ended up spending a bit of time in the whole chapter. Of Mark ten. Uh, it's I've already quoted from the end of the chapter where Jesus is said, or it said that he came. Jesus came to serve and not to be served, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. Um, but just before that, we were told about this life of self denial and uh and so just really quickly that like that is like that is a big deal too like don't hear me dismissing the fact that people lay down their lives to follow Jesus that level of now to pursue him um that adventure that uh that calling for people to deny everything to go and to serve um but i but I think service is. The, the idea of service, Richard Foster says, is that we must experience many little deaths of going beyond ourselves. Many little deaths. So the, like the sense of adventure, like the laying down everything to go is incredible. But this idea of service is we must experience, in Richard Foster's words, many little deaths of going beyond ourselves. And so, the, so service can really be just the ordinary, uh, it can just be found in the mundane, and uh, so I, I'd love just to take a few, a few minutes to go to talk a wee bit about self-righteous service versus true service, trying to, trying to see if, and I'm, I'm in some ways I'm reluctant to do this because I'm like just a, the pigeonhole people or to try and have us pigeonhole ourselves where we find, um, so I'm trying to be like use broad strokes a wee bit with this, but hopefully that it will challenge us. Uh, it will cause us to think a wee bit. Um, uh, so self-righteous service versus true service. And so I want to suggest that self-righteous service uh, comes through human effort. Um, self-righteous service comes through human effort, whereas true service... Uh, it's like it's overflow from relationship with God. I think true service comes out of just an out of abundance, it comes out of overflow of just engaging and connecting and a uh, really close relationship with Father. And, um, and so we end up serving not out of our own human effort or our own strength, but we're serving out of uh, in response to the whisperings things and those inner nudges of the Holy Spirit that's so why I think there is there's there's a difference and maybe you've experienced moments like that maybe you, maybe you know people uh, reluctant for you to think of people like make this challenging for yourself uh, maybe they'll not all apply to you um, rights of service can come about when we when we exercise when we serve through our human efforts True service comes about when we are responding in relationship to the whisperings and the promptings and the inner nudgings of the Holy Spirit. A self-righteous service is really impressed with the big deal. It's impressed with numbers. Um, It it really wants to be able to to measure um, what we're giving ourselves to that idea of well if I'm gonna serve here, if I'm gonna give myself to this, then I wanna know that it's worth it based on numbers, the amount of amount of people, maybe could I even say the amount of likes that we get on our social media, the amount of shares that we get. Um, but but self-righteous service can become can end up becoming like obsessed with numbers and impressed with numbers. Whereas for true service, I think it is hard to distinguish between the little and the large, what's, what's really big and what's really small. Because your heart is just, you just want to serve. You're longing to serve. You will, um, it's really hard to distinguish between the big and the small. And so, so for example, tonight Ian's away to serve this, um, this guy, Sergey and Market Hill. It's it's a, it's a it might seem like a small act, but I think he'll give himself to that if in the same way as if it was something like really massive. Um, so self-righteous, it can be consumed with the big and the large, and how and the, and where we measure that can sometimes be um, a wee bit skewed. But true service is like just really hard to distinguish between little and large. Um, self-righteous service, maybe this seems mostly this is quite similar. But self-righteous service um, expects or requires an external reward. Self-righteous service requires the applause or the approval or the appreciation of man or the appreciation of others. And so that's like i must say, like don't be hearing that that's wrong. Like don't stop thanking people or applauding people or or praising people. But people who serve. With the like, expecting, requiring approval, applause, or whatever that other a was, um, that can be. I think that can be self righteous service. Where true service just rests content in hiddenness. It rests content, content whether it's ever acknowledged or noticed or not. And um, and so even going back, thinking about the Sermon on the Mountain. Thinking about Matthew chapter six when Jesus was talking about how we give and how we fast and how we pray, like he's saying about doing this in the secret, like whenever you pray, go and go and get into the closet, go and get away, and it's just the Father in secret who sees you're, you're doing it for Him, like you're content with the hiddenness. You don't need people to see or to hear your high lofty prayers. You don't need to see your fasting or their, or your giving. You're content with the hiddenness. And uh, and so I think that's what true service um, can look like uh, as opposed to self-righteous service. Again, maybe some of these feel a wee bit, like running in off the back of the other. Uh, but again, self-righteous service can be really concerned with results. Um, true service delights in service. True service just delights in being able to, to serve being able to sense the inner promptings nudgings of the Holy Spirit and being able to act upon that there's just enough delight in that regardless of the result Um I was part of a conversation today with uh, an organization called forge that I've been I've been uh, doing a course with these guys for the last year and um, we' were on a we were on a call today that was just trying to Engage interest from other people and encourage them to be a part of this course for whenever it launches again in September, um, and uh, and so whenever they were talking about statistics over the last number of years, and uh, so for the hundred, for the last for 120 people have now gone through the forge course in Scotland, and um, where this has all came out of. And uh eighty five percent of eighty-five percent of people that eighty-five percent of the one hundred and twenty have gone on to plant some sort of kingdom initiative, mostly churches, but uh, some charities, some businesses with a, like with a kingdom agenda, um the kingdom calling. And uh and so whenever they come that to the, the question around success, they're not basing it on results or numbers they're basing it on faithfulness they're basing it on are people still doing what the felt God called them to do are the people still have skin in the game giving them given giving their lives totally to what they felt the Lord called them to whether it was planting a church charity business initiative enterprise whatever it was and I was really I was just really impressed by that because sometimes we can base uh, the success of what has been started or basically the success of what's going on by whether there's enough numbers to warrant it, or whether there's enough money coming in. And and uh, sometimes you have to think about those things. Like, don't get me wrong. We try, we don't think often enough about success can just be faithfulness. People continually brand. people continuing to lay down their lives for the sake of other people. And, uh, and so I think that was um, was really helpful today. That people true service delights in just continuing to serve, and so they'll be faithful in that. Um, yeah, self righteous service, and then this is where it starts getting a wee bit starts where it gets a wee bit challenging for me. It starts where I have to be really, honestly begin to wrestle a wee bit here, because self righteous service um, picks and chooses who they will serve. And um, so that's a challenge for me. Sometimes we are we come across challenging situations. We come across situations that maybe feel out of our comfort zone. Self righteous service will pick and choose who to serve, who we will serve. Whereas true service, in the words of Mark chapter nine verse thirty five, um, actually, let me just read Mark nine thirty five. it's important to we hear Jesus <laughs> Jesus sitting down called the twelve and said if anybody if anyone wants to be first he must be the very last and the servant of all and so I think there's I think self-righteous service can be um, we pick and choose who to serve whereas true service is following the example of jesus following the words and the ways of jesus when he said if you if you want to if you want to be involved in this, if you want to truly serve then you be servant of all um self-righteous service again this is i'm challenged by this self-righteous service can be affected we can be so affected by our moods and our feelings we'll serve we'll give of ourselves we'll volunteer We'll put our name down in the rota for rock, whatever it is. We'll 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 get engaged. We'll serve based on how we're feeling that week, based on what mood we're in, based on how our week has gone. And it, like a caveat that with a with a bit of sensitivity, we don't like if you've had a bad week. Let's let like let's like we talk with people with that. Let's find a way to pray through that. If we. But we can't just serve whenever we feel like it. We can't just serve when, when we are in the mood or when we have good feelings. True service, I think, serves just because there is need. There's need for the kids to be taught or there's need for the place to be cleaned up or there's need, whatever, serve because there's need and, we need to, and it needs to be done. And I'm challenged by that. Um. I'm challenged by this. Self-righteous service can be um, can be temporary, and again, I'll be really cautious with this because some people have came on short-term mission trips, like with us, and so I want to be careful. So people have came on short-term mission trips and it's changed their lives, it's transformed them, it's changed the trajectory, it's changed the course of their lives, but some some people. Have an idea of service that it's just it's a temporary thing. We'll go and do our service, we'll go and tick we'll go and tick the mission box. And it's a temporary thing, whereas true service is a lifestyle. It's not it's not a one off moment. It's not a it's not a short term mission trip that we go and, 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 and we spectate. Like mission tourism, whatever it is that we can whatever it is it can sometimes look like. But it's but true service. It, it's it's a lifestyle. It, it's it's it just completely transforms and shapes the rest of our lives. It's not a one off. It's not a temporary thing. Um, yeah, we can keep going. Self-righteous service, um, I think can fracture community. Again, I'm just thinking a wee bit about this too, and um, I don't want to spend long on this because I I suppose in some ways I'm still thinking through. The idea of self-righteous service can fracture a community. At the moment, we can we can come and we can serve our communities, but there is there can be the temptation that we can serve with an agenda. We can we can give and we can serve with a bit of a with a bit of an add-on at the end. Well, we'll serve if you come and be come and visit the church, or if you come, I'll, if you read this book, or if whatever. Again, those things are not necessarily bad, but but if that's our motivation, if, if if we're serving with a particular agenda, then I think that can fracture community. Whereas true service, true service just builds community, because a true service just is about uh, healing. It's about building. It's about binding up the broken, but healing the 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 wounded. True service just wants to. To be involved where there's need and build community. And I think self-righteous service can lead us towards fracturing community when we come with with hidden agendas, with ways of manipulating. And uh, and again, I just want to be cautious with my language around that because I'm still not uh, fully sure with that all what what that all looks like. Um, so again, I think true service. So started with the the story of Jesus. I think something of, of the Jesus washing the feet of the disciples is is uh, is what true service looks like. Can't speak about this without uh, reading Philippians chapter two. Again, these, I find I just find that these words incredibly powerful today, is, and just in light of what we're sharing. Your attitude, Paul says, should be the same as that of Jesus. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus, who being in very nature with God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing, and he took on the nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, and I became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And I, like, I'm so challenged by that. This is the attitude to have. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus. And I think much of what we've talked about true service is, is the attitude of Jesus, where the grace of humility. Is worked into our lives through this discipline. The grace of humility is worked into our lives through the discipline of service. Um the, the Richard Foster this is a, love this line. Flesh whines like it, it gives off, it moans, it's it's not happy. It winds against service, but screams against hidden service it winds against service but it screams against hidden service i think it's important because every time we crucify the flesh we crucify our pride every time we crucify the flesh we crucify our pride first john 2 verse 16 a couple more give me a couple more minutes first john 2 verse 16 says um don't love the world or anything anything in it, the things of the of the world. Uh, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man and the lust of his eyes. And C. H. Dodd said that the lust of the eyes refers to the tendency to be captivated by the outward shoe. Um, again, challenged by, by those thoughts, challenged by this idea of, Humility working its way into our lives through the discipline of service. Um, and we don't have time to talk about this tonight. But I I know sometimes when we talk about this idea of service, we look at Jesus washing the disciples' feet. When we read verses like, like where Jesus emptied himself, where he gave up his own rights, Sometimes our our default response or automatic response could be but 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 people will walk all over me, people will take advantage, and and I think we're probably need a longer longer time to, to, to talk a wee bit more about that, but just for just for a moment, I think it's worth pointing out that there is a difference between uh, between serve to the choice to serve, and the choice to be a servant. Uh, we we can choose, whenever we choose to serve, we are still in charge. We're still in charge of who we serve and when we serve. So we, we if we choose to serve, we are still in charge. Whereas if we choose to be a servant, and I think that's what Jesus modeled, when we choose to be a servant, we give up our rights. We give up our rights to be in charge we surrender the right to decide who and when we will serve. We simply become available and we simply become um, vulnerable and, and again there there's probably some stuff that actually we, we be really helpful for us to to keep talking about but again to go back to what Richard Foster said that I quoted at the beginning, we must experience many little deaths of going beyond ourselves. And I think that's what it is, to choose to be a servant, to give up, giving up our rights, to, to choosing those many and experiencing those many little deaths, death to ourselves, death to our flesh. And so service is, this, this discipline is, For me, it's really interesting because it's not a list of things that we do, and sometimes I think we can get caught up with in that. But it's not a list of things we do. It is, um, it's it's a way of living. It is. It's one thing to act like a servant, and it is another to be a servant. We. It's one thing to act like a servant, and another. To be a servant, and so um, I think the ministry of small things is 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 good language. I think especially for for right now and for pro- probably the next number of months, um, this the ministry of small things is a daily service. So the big tasks, the big moments that we have, uh, the big opportunities that we have to do. Um, big events or week long programs or whatever it is uh, those large tasks require great sacrifice for a moment whereas small things require constant sacrifice there's a guy called Francis DeSales said that large tasks require great sacrifice for a moment small things require constant sacrifice and it is a bit of a bugbear of mine, and it could get on my hobby horse bit that. But we have—I think—in some ways, we have made an idol of the big things, have made an idol of the big moments, and the big events. Um. And so uh, I'll, I'll finish with that. There's time. Ty- there, there's more things we could say. We could talk about the imp- uh, we could talk about the importance of allowing others to serve us. And I think a it's, so, it's a Northern Irish thing. I I think it's probably in other cultures too. But I do think it's definitely particular to hear that if anybody serves us, if anybody uh, is, gives us something or we experience an act of kindness, or somebody serves us by making a meal or whatever, our our instinct, our default is when we pay. When can I repay that? We are we're so quick to to do that, so we need to we need to allow others to serve us. We need to receive the serving of others without feeling the need to repay. And that can often actually that I think that can often be an issue of pride. Um, we need to allow people to serve us. I think it's important for for some of us to just allow people to serve you. So, there's there's other ways of service. There's a service of hospitality, which probably is restricted at this moment. There's a service of listening, which is probably, we can probably heighten that in this moment. The service of listening, the service of bearing one another's burdens, uh, the service of sharing words of life with one another. Whether that's the Bible, whether it's a prophetic word that we send forth, sharing. Uh, serving others by sharing the word of life is another way that we can serve. So we'll finish with 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And then, uh, Nicola, pray for us, will you? 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5. Um, Paul is commending um, the churches for their acts of generosity, for what they're doing for others. But he makes this remark. Uh, that in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5 first they gave themselves to the Lord first they gave themselves so it requires these, this daily sacrifice this, this, we must experience those those little deaths that cause us to go beyond ourselves and so the challenge of the discipline of service in conclusion is the first Give ourselves, to the Lord, and uh, yeah, that's that's.